fact that you lead the church, you call us to depend on you, and we have the privilege to just kind of look into these things tonight and just want, really, really just be in wonder that you speak to us at all. It's very kind. You minister to the broken pieces and guard our hearts. You guide us and you keep us and you protect us and you lead us and you love us and you call us to rest in you. And the fact that you didn't just speak one time and, and then um, that would have been enough, but the fact that you continue to speak even today, tested against your word and all that, we, we just thank you that you continue to speak to our hearts and you, you lead us and you direct us and you minister to us. So help us even tonight, Lord, during this time to be encouraged and strengthened. In Jesus' name, amen. Um, Beth, I think I'm going to jump in just a little bit into this and then probably uh, stop and have you share. I think is maybe what's going to happen. So turn to page uh, two. Um, this, uh, just, just full citation or whatever, all of what I'm going to talk about is what a number of us went out to Oklahoma City four years ago, is it four, something like that, went out and, and uh, so this is teaching that we received from Sam Storms specifically, but then these two other guys as well, Tom Ball and um, who was the, the head, at least he was at the time, he was the head of the prophetic prayer ministry and Matt Palmer, which I don't know if Matt's still there or not, but, um, but they also came out uh, to us and did some training with us uh, for um, for a weekend or for a couple days during the week, and uh, it was rich. So uh, this is one area <coughs> for us as a church that we believe in, but we don't practice it very well. Uh, we've had moments, we've had times where, where, matter of fact, uh, in recent um, in recent months, this microphone is set up on the platform, and I realized a couple of weeks ago it's in the wrong place. You know, so we used to always have this microphone down down here as a as a mic that would be available as we'll talk about in a few moments I think we'll get to it um, for someone to share a potential prophetic word or a tongue or a word of wisdom or something or an encouragement and uh, and we just kind of got into once we moved here I think we got into kind of a kind of forgot honestly I think or just like it just was wasn't part and so so we're, we're wanting to communicate about this, this whole area with the Holy Spirit and this area specifically. And next week, should, should we actually finish this study, which I'm feeling doubtful of tonight, um, uh, the next session is going to be on intercessory prayer and, and calling us to intercessory prayer ministry. And so these things are ways that we can move forward in 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 hearing from the Lord and speaking and caring for one another in, the, in, in these gifts. These, these gifts are specifically, they're not better than any other gifts. And yet, Paul says in 1 Corinthians 14, doesn't he? He says, um, I wish that you all would prophesy. Why? Because it's for the building up of the church in a real specific way. Every gift is used for the common good of the church. But prophecy, 1 Corinthians 14, 1 and 2 and 3 and on, is of specific usage because it has to do with speech. Not just any speech, but potentially, and not every prophetic word or supposedly prophetic word or whatever is, is like a word from the Lord, but and certainly not like a prophetic word of the Lord like Ezekiel or something like that, but it is nonetheless a word from the Lord. And so wanting to anticipate that and not just say that we believe this and kind of have a category for it and whatever, but and then forget to put the microphone out and forget to really talk about it. And then we just kind of all of a sudden, we don't hear anything from anybody for months. Um, that's, on, that's on us as your pastors, not having been 
speaking of this and directing in this and encouraging in this and, and praying for this. We've had moments, right, where, where I've sent out a note on Saturday or something and said, look, would you please be praying and whatever. Anyway, I'm jumping way ahead. The reality is God speaks. So how does God speak? Well, we know in particular. Let, let's, like, we don't take this for granted at all. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not saying, hey, like, oh, and the Bible. I'm saying, no, the Bible primarily and in some other ways as well. He does not only speak in God's in his word, although he speaks primarily in his word, and we can always know that this is his word. Now, our interpretation of the word is not necessarily always accurate, but this is his word, and so we can trust it. So I was just on the phone with a guy, some weighty situations, really weighty situations. And so I take him to Psalm 121, and I'm like, this word better be God's word. That he's my keeper. He's our keeper. He's, this, is not, this is not just a, a word that is like helpful. Uh, although it is, it is the powerful word of God. And so, so the fact that the Lord is his keeper and he's your keeper, I mean, that is, that is worth its weight in gold. Matter of fact, Psalm 19 says better than gold. So please, in everything we say tonight, we are not denigrating this at all or making this like some sort of subservient to some other like ecstatic experience or something. No, there's, there's uh, I mean, for a lack of a better word, there's ecstatic experience in the reality of that when you read this word, 100% of the time it's God speaking to you. you we can never say God doesn't speak anymore or God doesn't whatever. He, open, open the book. Open the book and he speaks. Um, the issue is with us, right? So we, we don't always feel like he's speaking in his word. It's like because it doesn't feel right or something. It's like, well, but he does. Anyway, so that being said, that's like not just a nuance. That's an enormous um, first point um, that's not on tonight's study. But that's a, an assumption that we want to have out there. So another way that the Lord speaks is, uh, is through prophetic ministry. And through some other ways. And, and like we know, some of us have had the experience, and probably most of us have had the experience in some of whether we've called it pro- prophetic ministry or not, somebody speaking a timely word for us. Um, and uh, it's not just an encouraging word, but it's a word that causes you to see Christ and, and find satisfaction in him and to know him, to love him and to rest in him. And uh, this is what this brother needs, this is what you need, this is what I need. Uh, and, um, and so really, uh, having the heart of the Lord gr- for one another, gr- grieving when, like we talked about Sunday, grieving when, sorrowing when other people are sorrowing, and, and being joyful when other people are joyful, and really entering into each other's pain and sorrows and happiness and joy, and really loving each other. This is, this is what the Lord does. This is who the Lord is, and this is what the Lord does through, through his people. So objectives for at least a portion of tonight is this, to come away from the session with a greater understanding of and appreciation for the gift of prophetic revelation in the church. And um, second, to anticipate, pray for, and grow in listening for the Lord to speak revelatory words to us for the common good of the church. So there's an anticipation, expectation that the Lord is going to do that. Primarily, we know the word is going to be preached every single time we are together as a church, we, this, this will never change. Um, but, uh, and, and so we always know the Lord's going to speak, but there's also the reality that the Lord knows your specific situation and, and uh, he speaks to his people, and sometimes from the pulpit, through his word, uh, into specific situations, in specific moments, because he knows you and he loves you. To uh, third, to learn to hear, speak, and discern. So to learn to hear, to learn to speak, and to learn to discern the gift of prophetic utterance in the church. Um, we'll get to some of that as well. To evaluate our hearts in regards to the gift of prophecy, our pursuit of it, the church's need of it, and our reception of it. So there's a lot, a lot that we could um, go through tonight. Matter of fact, was it 17 pages? So. It's just not going to happen that we're going to complete this tonight. And especially, as I'm feeling compelled to have Beth share 
some of her testimony based on some of the things we've been through in the past number of weeks prior to Christmas, speaking about the gifts and how the utilization of the gifts and the pouring out of the gifts in someone's life actually helps them immensely, especially, especially amid sorrow. Um, so uh, let me just go through this first section, and then Beth, I'll call you up to share, okay? You good? You awake? Good. All right. All right. Um, um, not to, not to, it's not to emphasize or to pick on or something those who, those who would call themselves cessationists, but, but there is the reality that one of the arguments used against a gift like a revelatory gift like prophecy or the interpretation of tongues um, is that uh, all the revelation we need is here. This is sufficient. Um, and, uh, um, of course, it's a, it's a good argument. It's, it's, a right, it's a right argument. It's just that it's, it, doesn't, it doesn't speak about that which I'm going to speak about as far as in the cessationist camp. So they would believe in the sufficiency of Scripture, and we would say it's continuationist. Well, we also believe in the sufficiency of Scripture, and it's actually why we believe what we do about extra revelation. So, um, so, second paragraph. By the sufficiency of Scripture, many things are meant, but at the heart of the doctrine is our belief that the Bible contains every theological truth, every ethical norm that is required for living a Christ-exalting and God-glorifying life. And, of course, how to, how to come to faith. You, you cannot know how to come to faith unless you read God's Word or have someone tell you, but how do they tell you that which they don't know but through the word of God. Um, so so that, that's, that's what the word is sufficient for. The Bible contains and teaches is enough for these things. Um, now, really important to say here, just, just by way of a, a side, sideways glance, the Bible's not sufficient for everything in life. It does not talk to us about bipolar stuff. It doesn't talk to us about... Um, 401ks and uh, uh, different, like, different things. It's not sufficient for everything. It's not meant to be sufficient for everything. So when somebody says to you, um, hey, the Bible doesn't say that, so you shouldn't be doing that. It's like, well, um, let me just back up a little bit and just like, think about principles and think about those, those kind of things. What the, the sufficiency of Scripture has to do with everything we need for salvation to know about salvation, everything we need to know about God, and everything we need to know to know how to live a godly life. Okay, that's what it's sufficient for. To, to, uh, to care for us, to nurture us, and all that. So, raises the question, what precisely does the Bible say that God has done or provided to enable us to be edified and built up and thoroughly equipped for every good work? If, if that's what the Bible is sufficient for, then what, what, what's included in that? And among the many things that it says... Um, that God has done and provided is the blessing of the many spiritual gifts. The first, first Corinthians, real scripture, not just a, a scripture that you can just kind of toss out and say, well, that's not part of the sufficiency of scripture anymore because such and such a thing happened that is extra biblical in itself. The all-sufficient word of God explicitly commands us to earnestly desire the higher gifts, which Paul goes on to identify primarily as prophecy. He again commands us to earnestly desire the spiritual gifts, especially that you may prophesy. Again, I want you to all to speak in tongues, but even more, to prophesy. And if there's any doubt about Paul's meaning, he closes this chapter with the exhortation, so, my brothers, in verse 39, earnestly desire to prophesy and don't forbid speaking in tongues. You're clear. And if the word is sufficient, then... then 1 Corinthians 14 is sufficient for us in practice. So note well, it's in the all-sufficient scriptures that we find these exhortations. It's the Bible that we believe tells us everything we need for Christian growth, godliness, in which we find these commands. So do we believe the Bible tells us what to embrace and what to avoid? We would say yes. Do we believe the Bible is altogether sufficient to give us every command that we need to obey and every warning that we need to uh, heed? Yes. Do we believe the Bible warns us about the misguided beliefs and practices that may well threaten the sufficiency of God's word? Well, yes. Well, then what does the Bible say about revelatory gifts of the Spirit? Well, that's not for today. You, you see? I hope you see some of the, the, 
it's not just an argument. I don't mean, don't mean to be debating anybody here. I'm just saying that's, it just doesn't, it's not as clearly adding up. Nowhere does it ever remotely suggest, much less explicitly assert, that the ongoing validity of the very gifts it endorses are a dangerous threat to the reality of Scripture's own sufficiency. Um, it didn't take away from the Old Testament Scriptures. It didn't take away, it didn't like somehow change or alter or, or, or um, deride Old Testament prophecy or the, any, anything that God had done through the years or was uh, in the midst of writing about. So, where is it that we derive our belief in the ongoing validity of miraculous gifts of the Spirit? Because we did not make this up on our own. We get our view from Scripture. And we talked about that a number of weeks ago, and so I won't dive into that much more. But listen, the, the, point, the point that I'm trying to make is, it is the sufficiency of Scriptures, this wonderful doctrine that we all, cessationists and continuationists, hold, that the Scriptures are sufficient. We're just saying, yes, the Scriptures are sufficient every little bit of scripture and and we're not saying that we're better than anybody else we're not saying that we're just saying it's like that that's that on on one side there's the argument but as far as we're concerned the argument is extra biblical we're saying it, it's it's just clearly here and there's no explicit sense that they're gonna they're gonna cease the only verse that says anything about they're gonna cease has to do with the day when jesus returns so that's that's uh, that's where that's where we're at with that. So, um, so the big take-home point, verse four, or page four. Um, if you believe in the sufficiency and functional authority of Scripture, you really must necessarily believe in the ongoing validity and edifying power of revelatory gifts of the Spirit, because they are just not just in First Corinthians fourteen. Um, they are in First Corinthians in that whole section 12, 12 13, and fourteen, but. But then throughout also the book of Acts, and you see, you see the revelatory gifts happening, and then certain things throughout the epistles as well. One more section, and uh, then uh, I'll call back up. Although I'm enjoying teaching on this, so it's like, uh, it's like uh, um, a variety of ways in which God speaks to his children. So scripture, number one, absolutely. Easy, easy. Audible voice, a little less certain on that, right? Like, like, okay, what am I listening to? What am I hearing? Audible voices. We know that, um, and, and we'll see dreams later on as well, many cults or false religions have been started by those who have heard an audible voice and or have uh, had a dream or an angel comes up to them and so all of a sudden uh, Jehovah's Witnesses or uh, Islam uh, or whatever is born, right? Uh, internal audible voice where we kind of... Um, you know, it's hard to explain, right? But it's like you kind of hear a voice in your head where it's like it's directing, directing you in some way. Um, angelic messengers, dreams, and I want to spend just a moment on dreams because specifically there's so much about dreams, especially today. Dreams are, I, I went to, I spoke at a Christian school uh, a number of years ago. This was back in Iowa, actually, when I... Um, was in a church that was cessationist, but I was I was a um, you know a, a hidden continuationist uh, in the church, and um, uh, so I went and so I go to this place and and I'm teaching on you know how does God speak to us? Speaking about the Bible in particular, how does God speak to us? And the first kid says um, says through dreams. This is like fourth grade, fifth grade student. So through dreams, that was the first thing they said. Well, it's not the first way, right? But it's like like I kind of got an idea of potentially what kind of church uh, she went to, uh, but it's like the reality is like God does speak through dreams. He, he just does. And, and the experiences possibly of ourselves, we've had people come here and share from the microphone dreams that they've had that have had a prophetic impact on somebody. Um, and it's as though God spoke to them through the dream in a way to care for somebody. Um, but there's other examples like... Um, uh, uh, for instance, halfway on page five, a recent field work where this guy uh, Carlson uh, interviewed Christian migrants who had converted from Islam. Many reported a dream that led to the conversion. Their experiences with dreams and visions fit into the following categories, like Jesus speaking scripture to them, even scripture they had never heard before, Jesus telling people to do something, a dream or vision that led to a feeling of being clean or at peace, a man in white physically appearing, and it goes on and on and on. And we've heard some of these stories and I'm not going to take the time to read the stories, but listen, there, there's a bunch of examples right in these next two and a half pages. 
And so you think about the legitimacy of dreams, page 7. Um, uh, you can be drawn to passages where the validity of Jesus' own ministry was questioned. You remember, Jesus himself was doing miracles, and what was it the Pharisees said? He cast out demons by, or he, cast out, he cast out demons by Beelzebul, right? Like by demons, and it just doesn't even make sense, but that's what, he, his ministry was questioned. Um, and uh, would Satan cast out Satan? Uh, it just doesn't make sense. Would he give dreams filled with scripture, pointing to Jesus that ultimately lead to conversion and purity? What would Satan have to do with that? That would be ridiculous. Satan is out to steal, kill, and destroy our faith. So when there is, when there is a dream that points us to Jesus, that causes someone to, um, to potentially come to Christ or at least get on the road to coming to Christ to meet a missionary or to meet a believer or to get to God's word or to be revealed about something certainly needs to be um, processed, it certainly needs to be um, authenticated or whatever, but the reality is God speaks in dreams, and, and, and Jesus shows up in dreams. Jesus is not dead. We know he's alive. He's, he's alive, and so he, he, we know from Acts, but, you know, but that's Acts. Well, we're saying, hey, today is a continuation of Acts um, in, a, in a different way. I mean, we know it was a specific time of history, which was remarkable, and so it's not the, exactly the same as Acts, but there is still the same movement of God. He is still on the throne. He is still speaking to his people. So there's visions as well. Um, there's, um, of course, creation. It speaks through creation. We know that from Psalms, uh, specifically spiritual impressions. Um, this is what uh, Dallas Willard says. That he says they're gracious incursions into our souls. Um, so he puts words, phrases, sentences, images, and the like into our minds, stamped with the indelible print of his voice. And you know that that is just true. When we, are, when we are overwhelmed and when we're in pain um, and when we're lonely and when we're sitting on the chair by the fireplace with our heads in our hands just trying to, uh, trying to make sense of something, that the Lord speaks in our voice and talks to us and ministers peace to us. Um, I think I said this to you, Josh uh, Thompson, uh, uh, earlier. I, I really do think that that like sometimes we think um, somebody pops into our head driving down the road, you know. Or maybe it shouldn't be when we're driving down the road because it includes texting. But but when you're, you're in some some way, you're just you know you're on you're on in your day. All of a sudden, Josh and Abby Thompson come into your head. Why? Why did Josh Nabby come into my head? Why, why do the karaoke's come into your head? Is it just because you're thinking that you weren't thinking about anything? You were just driving down the road. You were, you were like in, enmeshed in whatever your life is enmeshed in, and all of a sudden somebody pops up. Um, and so you have a choice in the moment. You have a choice to say, huh, I wonder how the karaoke's are doing. And then you kind of go off and you see a squirrel and you keep walking, you know. Uh, or you say, Lord, you gave, the, you put the karaoke's in my head, you put the Thompson's in my head, you put the Benefield's in my head or whatever in my heart. And so at the very least we pray and intercede for them. Or, and I think this is like something that, that at least the extroverts can do, but introverts can do it as well because it's not face-to-face. Uh, send a text. Send a quick text just saying, hey, I was thinking about you. Just praying for you right now. Love you. Thankful for you. Th- there's, there's just these impressions. Where do these impressions come from? I'm not trying to be like, Mr., like, uh, like everything is just supernatural. It's like, it, it, it's an impression. I think it's the Lord building his church. We just classify it as something else. But it's the Spirit putting each other on our minds to pray and to care. And so we act on that. Does that make sense? I hope that makes sense. So I'm trying to say, be aware of those things. Be aware that Jesus speaks. God continues to speak today. And he does so through spiritual impressions as well. Uh, providence. Um, this is a weird one, but, but interestingly, there's so many examples of this throughout history. Sympathetic physical pains or sensations. Um, 
I'm sure that a handful of you can tell stories about, about this kind of thing where you've seen somebody who is having a specific, um, possibly they're, they're experiencing a migraine and, and you're, um, this has not happened to me, but I've heard of people who are thinking about like, like who should we be praying for? And all of a sudden they get this massive headache. And so they're like, where the heck did that come from? Anybody out there got a headache? And somebody has a headache. I mean, you could say, well, of course somebody has a headache in the crowd, right? A crowd of 100 or 5,000 people or something, somebody's going to have a headache. But it's like, nevertheless, it's somebody that might have a headache or they have a pain in their side or a leg or a knee or whatever. Those kind of things happen. Who's doing that? If it's directing to God, as we'll see either this week or next week, if it's directed to God, then it's certainly the Holy Spirit at work speaking and directing other identifiable, unidentifiable unidentifiable modes of communication which the spirit simply speaks by some means not otherwise specified. If you think about uh, the story of Acts, uh, you're seeing certain things happen and, and you, you know, we read things like, and Paul says, um, you know, I was heading up into Asia Minor, uh, uh, Galatia or wherever he was going and, and the spirit uh, kept us from going there so we didn't go and then I tried to go again and the spirit stopped me again and all of a sudden the next thing you know he's in Macedonia, he's going to Macedonia. Well, well, how did, who, how, how did the Spirit speak to him? It doesn't say. How did the Spirit stop him? It doesn't say. Were there guardrails? Were there, was there something? Is some, in some way, he identified with whatever was happening in his own heart or his mind or a situation that the Spirit actually was directing him and, and so in a way speaking to him. We have this category we have this category. The church, uh, cessationists, everybody has this category that I feel directed to do such and such a thing. I feel like I just need to do this. I, I heard it from my dad last night who, who is like, um, who has been a, a um, you know, super cessationist uh, for, for years. Just a MacArthur guy and he's just like, he's just so anti-charismatic stuff, whatever. And then he comes out with certain things. Um, I was walking through my house the other day, and out of the blue, all the windows are closed. It's winter in Belleville, Canada, right? So no windows are open. And, and I'm walking through the room, and this gust of wind blows through, and, um, and my, 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 my shirt or my pants, whatever, kind of like shook from the, from the breeze, and I felt like the Lord say X, Y, Z. And so what, what do I say to that? That didn't happen. You, you're a nut job. You're crazy. It's like, Dad, look, I, you were like the most charismatic cessationist I know. It's uh, you're just crazy. Um, so it's like the, the spirit does work in certain ways. I'm not saying that was the spirit. I, I have no, I have no, like, I, I don't know. I mean, but why, why not? It, he felt specifically felt, thought of, cared for, that the spirit was present, that Jesus actually is on his throne that actually I'm going to pray for my wife's healing and of course that's intermixed with with all sorts of desires right the desires of just wanting things to get back to normal and but he's but he when we talked last night it's like he it's causing him to pray rather than just kind of saying I just don't understand why God's doing doing this which is what has been all the way along and now there's there was this different kind of peace and so anyway um, I'm going to keep going, Beth. I'm just going to finish. And then uh, I'll, I'll talk with you about possibly sharing next week. Um, because, I, because I would love to see prophetic words start back up, <laughs> you know, on Sundays. Or, or, and not just from here, but like to be, to, for us to be mindful of, of the, the speech of God speaking. So who will hear? Who's going to hear God speak? Um, uh, him who has ears, let him hear, right? There's that all through Scripture. Um, so that's concerning Scripture. The God should speak to us is remarkable. God does not need to speak. I remember one time going through the Bible, I was in Numbers, I think, and it was just like almost every verse or every three or four verses was like, and God spoke, and God spoke, and God spoke. And I was overwhelmed by the grace and mercy in those three words. That God spoke? Like, we, we, we just uh, kind of are underwhelmed by it. But, and God spoke. God, our creator, our God, our Lord, he spoke. 
Um, it's remarkable to hear his voice. God does not speak merely to superstars, super saints. He speaks to ordinary believers who are exceptional only by virtue of their hunger for him. So, so that's a, an evaluation kind of piece as well. What kind of people does God speak? In Acts, we see that he speaks to all sorts of people. One of the things that's a sentence that's like, uh, it's, it's doubtful you'll hear God's voice if you don't believe he's speaking. Now, I want to nuance that by saying you won't identify it as God's voice. God, you, you, you're not keeping God from speaking, but you're just not identifying as God's voice. So you just think it's like a, a thing that happens or whatever, right? But it's, but, um, so it's not like you believe it into existence. It's just you accepting it for what it is. So it's doubtful you'll hear God's voice if you don't believe he's speaking. Second, God is more inclined to speak when he knows he's being heard. God speaks primarily to those who are willing to listen. This principle is based on truth that the hungry are those who get filled, the thirsty are those who receive drink, those who seek, find, those who pursue, obtain. So you see the, the posture, like we've talked about from the very get-go of this Holy Spirit uh, conversation that we've been having, is has to do with posture. Uh, a posture of just like, Lord, I don't know what, what I think about all this stuff, but I do believe that you are on the throne and you can do what you want, so, so I want to hear here I, here I am, speak to me. And, and, and possibly do that with the word open in your hands, you know. Um, uh, third, hearing God's voice is less dependent on your abilities than on your affections. Um, again, far more concerned with the depth of your commitment than he is with diplomas on your wall. Um, degrees are, are fine, they're wonderful, education is great. Um, uh, learning history, all that, all that stuff is wonderful, but the reality is the simple God makes wise the simple. His word makes wise the simple. His voice makes wise the simple. So, so I'm not decrying educational achievement, um, but it's not educational achievement that is of greatest value to him. You know, It's the humble heart, the contrite heart. Um, and, uh, and so are you willing? Are, um, are, are you are you wanting, are you desiring, are you postured to hear from him? We assume that God speaks again only to special people, uh, unique people, extraordinarily endowed people, people with particular gifts, people with ecclesiastical authority, people with power and prestige and influence. We tend to think being human uh, debars us from hearing God because we're too frail. Um, God wouldn't speak to me, or, or I, am not, I, I, it's, I, couldn't, I couldn't deal with that or whatever, or I can't speak well in public like Moses, right? Moses is like, I, 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 I don't speak well. And, our education maybe is minimal, and, and listen, um, the reality is, again, like a man or a woman who loves the Lord, who is surrendered to the Lord and is dependent on him, um, is, is, a, is a one who, who entrusts himself to the righteousness of Christ and walks in holiness and all that and humility, that, that man, that woman, um, powerful. Whether they have a degree or not. Um, I was talking with somebody recently, like <coughs> sometimes in, I mean, Mason, you might feel this, I don't know, but like in a, in sometimes when you get in a certain, um, uh, environment. Like I really, am, I, 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 there's part of it, I didn't go to theological, real rigorous theological study till I was in my late 30s. And then when I got, I didn't know if I could do it. And then when I got there, I really enjoyed it. And I enjoyed the, the banter and the discussing of all these theological things. And then like, I'm like, you know, but people just want to know Jesus. And it's not that all these other big, deeper theological things don't mean anything. They all inform that. But it's like ultimately it's just loving Christ, loving him, and knowing that you're loved. And so, so anyway, that's, that's uh, wanting, to, wanting to walk in that and believing in, in the, the work of the Spirit in, in those things. So uh, we assume, again, that God is only speaking to certain people, but, but it's, not, it's just not true. Um, uh, Dallas Willard says, if you find yourself 
in the position of the one who can honestly say, God has never spoken to me, then you might ask, why should God speak to me? What am I doing in life that would make his speaking to me a reasonable thing for him to do? Um, and again, got the, got the book, right? So you can open and know, but we're, talk, we're talking about this, this other on, ongoing kind of speaking uh, uh, movement in your life. Perhaps we don't hear the voice of God because we don't expect to hear it, but perhaps we don't expect it because we know that we fully intend to run our lives on our own. And we never seriously considered anything else. The voice of God would therefore be an unwelcome intrusion into our plans. By contrast, we expect the great ones in the way of Christ to hear the voice just because we see their lives wholly given up to, being, to doing what God wants. So the question, how do I hear the voice of God, needs to be replaced by the question, what would I do if I heard the voice of God? And are you truly open to the extent to which the voice of God might disturb your plans? And so forth, the humble here. Um, all sorts of proof text there. But humility is simply preference for or submission to God's will. And I talked about that considerably. So how might we know when it's God speaking to us and not the projection of our own desires and fears? Um, um, yeah, God doesn't want you to be afraid or hesitant to use your mind and common sense. Uh, so when, how, how do we discern when God is speaking as against over some other voice or, you know, just your own thoughts or whatever. And so you can do this. Ask the question, what do the scriptures say? Anything God says outside of scripture will always conform with what he has said here. That, that's, that's, that's true. Doesn't mean it's going to be scriptural. Um, it's, it doesn't mean that you're going to find what he said to you specifically verbatim in here, but it fits under the rubric of biblical truth. Um, so he will, not, he will not ever speak in a way that leads you away from the scriptures, what the scriptures teach, how the scriptures have communicated. Um, um, if you are to know how deep and wide and high and long the love of Christ is for you, <clears throat> just a little bit before that passage, what does it say? But being strengthened in your inner being by the Spirit, that God, Christ, may dwell in your hearts through faith and that you, being rooted and grounded in love, might know all, all, of, all of that, right? So it's like that reality of the Spirit is at work in that way. So, so identifying, okay, what does the Scriptures say? Is that, is that, that's, a, that's a way to evaluate if God is speaking to you in that moment. The second guideline in hearing God's voice is obedience. Um, uh, John 7, he says, My teaching is not mine, but his who sent me. If anyone's will is to do God's will, he knows whether the teaching is from God or whether I'm speaking on my own authority. And when our lives are attuned to the purposes of God, then when our wills are committed and submissive to his will, the Holy Spirit produces in our hearts a sensitivity to his voice. So then when you hear, um, uh, when, when, when you've made it a practice, and this is point three, this experience, when you've begun to make it a practice that when the Lord places somebody from the church in particular, maybe it's somebody outside the church, but, but especially somebody in the church maybe, places on your heart and you act on that, you act on it by obedience because you believe that it's the Lord God directing you, Lord God speaking to you, and so you do that. You follow through on that and um, you obey. And your experience as you uh, continue to do that, you become more in tune with the reality that God is speaking to you and directing you in those ways. And it's not just you being a nice guy or you being a nice woman. It's, not, it's, it's about the Spirit directing your life. And, um, and that's whether you're a cessationist or continuationist, it's like you're a Christian, and so this is what the Spirit does. And so let's just call it what it is. The Spirit's directing us. Um, another indicator is uh, God speaking uh, is the spiritual quality of what's said. Um, um, so, uh, depending on how it's characterized, will, will, we'll, um, for instance, um, God told me the other day that I am just so disappointing to him. I don't know what to do. I'm making this up, okay? So I'm just like, I, like that's like this is what, this is what some some people. I, God told me to do such and such. God told me this. God told me about this about myself. It, it's if it's 
anti-biblical, then it's not the Spirit of God, right? If, if, it is, if it is of the tenor of God saying, you are a foolish person. You do such and such. You make me sick to my stomach. Not the Lord. The enemy of your faith. Stripping you of faith in a God who loves you and gave himself for you and is with you and is patient with you and will never leave you or forsake you. And so you can identify that. But sometimes um, we get to thinking that, you know, that voice was right. I am an absolute numbskull. And so I guess, yeah, God doesn't, well, you start believing lies, and this is exactly what the enemy does. It's just stripping away your faith. And you start believing that God is something else than he says he is. The principle of community, verse, uh, or, sorry, I'm saying verse, the page, bottom of page 11. The principle of community is also important. So, you know, uh, God speaks, and you are evaluating, you're not sure if it's, if it's the Lord. You think it's kind of past some of these tests, but you're still not sure. Maybe it's a dream, maybe it's a funky dream. And you're just kind of trying to think, well, I don't, like, I don't know. And so pass it through some people in the church, some other godly people. Come alongside them and, and ask them for some counsel. Um, we are in this together and to grow. And so, um, and then what are the consequences of what you've heard in terms of fruit of the Spirit? Do they produce the fruit of the Spirit or are they producing deeds of the flesh? You know, that's pretty clearly. So three suggestions, and um, that is to be silent. Perhaps one of the reasons you don't hear God speak is because you never stop talking. Or there's always something going on, or you're always listening to some, somebody else speak. So this isn't about being passive. This is about being purposeful to be able to be quiet long enough to actually hear. I think sometimes we don't hear God in our times of prayer because we are just simply wanting to talk all the time. And of course, we're called to pour out our hearts before the Lord, right? But there is... Um, you guys know, I think I've told you numerous times, when we were on the island in Greece last year at this time, the sweetest time of ministry that I have felt in my life was sitting on that bench and not saying a word. And I did not have my Bible with me, but I felt Jesus sitting beside me with his arm around me. And we were both like looking out at the water. And, and that has a distinct effect on knowing that the Lord is with me. Um, and that I don't have to perform. I don't have to say some sort of wonderful thing. I don't know what to say sometimes. And the Lord's just saying, just sit, just sit there. Just enjoy, enjoy this, enjoy me. And it took me days to get to the point where I actually realized, like, I mean, Jesus was not sitting there beside me, right, physically. But it's like, it was as though he was sitting right there. And I believe he was, of course, sitting right there with me. And what is it that we need but an assurance that the Lord is with us? And he's present with us, strengthening us. Um, cessationist or continuationist, we all are there. Second, be patient. Soul waits for the Lord. Um, and so wait. Wait for him in silence. And, and uh, those who, you know, we talked about this on Sunday, those who wait on the Lord will renew their strength. Um, so wait, be patient, and be confident that the Lord is going to answer your prayers. He will not give you a scorpion. He will, like Luke speaks about, Jesus Jesus said, you know, it's like how much more will he give the Holy Spirit to you? Um, Give me 10 more minutes here just to kind of run through some of this stuff. So there's some uh, guidelines because I want to encourage, encourage you to begin praying that the Lord would to actually follow through on 1 Corinthians 14, that you would earnestly desire the spiritual gifts, especially that you may prophesy. So begin praying that you may prophesy. And we know that from 1 Corinthians 14, there are those in the church who will, like, like, it, like Paul says, hey, limit it to two or three people, you know, and so in, in the service or in the situation, limited to two or three, which means to say, um, like I think, we can possibly anticipate that there might be more opportunities <laughs> than what we're having. So it's like um, 
sometimes the Lord's just, it's just he's doing other things, and he is definitely doing other, other things here, but one area that we want to grow in is this prophetic uh, gifting as well. So we don't make this microphone open. Like, it's not like it's available for just anybody to come up anytime to say anything that they want to during the service. Um, nor would we, if we had somebody stand up in the congregation and just start spouting off something, we would, we would stop that uh, pastorally. We would stop that, and if they were belligerent, you know, uh, it's like, please don't let this happen, Lord. But if they were belligerent, um, we'd get Paula Sanders after them. Um, so, uh, <laughs> um, or Brad, I, I guess you used to. Um, but just, just to, to, get, to get them to, to kind of um, care, care for them in that situation. Uh, that happened one time uh, to, to me. So um, that's why I say, like, I, I pray that it never happens here. Um, but... Uh, so it just increase if this was open, it just increases the possibility of, of things that we don't want to happen. So we want we want prophetic word, but we also want some semblance of order and not precision. Precision is not what we're after necessarily, but it is it is something in line with the way that the spirit's moving in the service, right? So so uh, so often, I mean, you know, I sit here usually if I'm not leading worship or up there somewhere. I'm sitting here or Kale's over there or Dan's there possibly sometimes. Um, when the microphone's down here, there'll be a pastor here, or we will have somebody else if we're not uh, available to um, stand there. And so if you felt like you had an impression from the Lord, if you felt like you had something that you wanted to share with the church, if you had a dream, if you had something that just like, you know, in the moment you're just like, man, I think, I think that's what the Lord gave. Or, or like the day before, you're, you're like, I think this is a word for the church, and you send it in to us to evaluate, which has happened in the past as well. Um, then we can evaluate it beforehand or in this situation. It's a little harder right, right in that moment, but still we want to evaluate it because, because we believe that the Spirit is moving in the service in, in a way that, that is like planned spontaneity. Okay, so like we plan something, but we're also wanting to, you guys know I'm relatively spontaneous. So, so like there's that, there's that element but we're also just saying, hey, does this like take us out into totally what we think maybe is right field or left field? Um, or, or is this like in line with what we think the Spirit's doing? Is this, is this helpful? Um, so you come down and tap us on the shoulder and, um, and whisper in our ear. We can talk. We can interact and everything. There's, an op- there's a chance. I've got more, there's more details in here. You can, you can look at, the, at what, what to do. But really, it's just a matter of if you have something to share, come down, talk to us. We'll direct you. Uh, maybe how, how to say it or when to say it or if to say it or to not say it. Um, and to, to, to get to the point where we would say, hey, not, it's not now. It's not necessarily we're saying that, hey, that's not a word from the Lord. What we're saying is we, we, just, we just don't think the timing is right. It, it might also be like, uh, like where there needs to be more conversation about uh, a specific word that's like that we would have to correct kind of thing. And, we'd, and so uh, there's, there's been a couple of times through, through at least my time here where Somebody has said, they've come down, they've said, this is what I'm going to say, and then they get up on the platform, or they get up here, and as soon as they do this, and come up on the platform and start talking, I usually I'm like, oh, oh man, you know, that's happened, I think, twice uh, since I've been here, and, um, and usually that requires a correction of some element of what they've said and usually we depending on who it is we've let them go ahead and do that but sometimes there's had to be a, a um, an encouragement of you know faith and and all that and then and then but yet there's a couple of things that were said that we needed to correct and it's, it's an awkward moment um so that's why we say come down and talk to us and and then humbly respond to our leadership in those moments um Practical guidelines on the delivery of and response uh, to prophetic words. So one thing that you could say, um, or there's four things that really like uh, uh, options. I have a strong inner impression that I believe is from the Lord. Okay, there's a sense, there's a sense I have that this is from the Lord. I think this is from the Lord. I, I, it's, it's never, um, this is what God says to the church. Thus saith the Lord kind of stuff, right? It's not, it's, we believe... New Testament prophecy is not the same as Old Testament prophecy. So, um, I mean, in, in that way, so still revelatory, but it's, it's, uh, it has to be, like, you never had to discern, uh, like, like, Ezekiel's prophecy. It was, thus says the Lord, and if you don't obey, this is what's going to happen. 
New Testament prophecy is like you listen to what they say and you kind of go, <laughs> I mean, we'll, we'll talk about that in a moment. It it's requires discernment. So it's like innately different. Um, so I had a sense from the Holy Spirit, I had a dream, which involves several of you, and I'd like to share it. And, um, and hopefully the dream is not like, like a James Bond movie or something like that, but it's something that's uh, actually, um, that's, those, those are my kind of movies that, were, I mean, my kind of dreams where like I, I'm some sort of superhero that can't, um, uh, can't accomplish what I want to accomplish or whatever. So, so, so I'm sure there's some sort of therapy I need there. Anyway, um, how to respond to questionable words. You know, I just talked about some of that stuff. Sometimes they need immediate correction. Most of the time, if someone comes to you and says, hey, I think I have a word for you, receive it. Receive the word, but evaluate it, discern it, consider what if, if the word is, if you're not sure, um, then talk to some other people about it. Some practical do's and don'ts, um, you know, like these are just things, we just want you, to, want you to know, not that we would anticipate anybody does this, but like, but this has been done at different times throughout history. So uh, do not publicly criticize or correct individuals by name. Um, Take such words privately, as so we just say, well, it's Matthew 18, right? So go, go face to face. It's just, it's not, it's not to come up here and say, you know, so-and-so, you did such and such and whatever. Um, so don't prophesy marriages. You're going to get married to such and such a person, or you're going to get pregnant, or you're going to do whatever, or this is going to happen, or this is going to happen, or this is going to happen. That's, that's not what we're looking for here as well. That, that we're, we're not saying that God that God doesn't necessarily give insight into things like that. What we're saying is that those things are rife with all sorts of potential hurt and damage. And so, um, um, like, if, I, I would say this, this happened, this happened uh, four, five, five, four, three, three years ago, where it happened to me, because I felt like the Lord was telling me you need to, it was at the, at the conference, actually, where I felt like the Lord was saying, you need to pray over all the people in the church that can't have children. And I was like, oh my gosh, you got to be kidding me. What? I can't do that. There's so much hurt that can come with that. And I, like, who, like how, can I, how can I do that? So that was in July of 2018, and it gets to be February of 2019. And, and the Spirit speaks to me kind of, and says, you, you've, you've been disobedient long enough, seven months. I, r I really directed you to do this last July, but you've not walked in the lease of faith. And uh, I don't know if you guys who are here, if you remember, I repented from the pulpit. I, I asked for forgiveness from you because I feel like that's just a bad example of a lack of, that's a great example of a lack of faith or a bad example of faith. And, um, and then we prayed. We prayed over some people, prayed over a number of people. Um, and not every prayer was answered as of today, but some prayers were answered. Um, so, but you see, that was like, that was a process. That was like, there were conversations that were had. I had conversations with, with uh, dads and moms um, who, or pe people who wanted to be parents, just like, would that be hurtful? Would that be something that we could do? that kind of thing, but just off the cuff to come up and just pronounce or to come over to somebody and pronounce, you're going to have a baby, um, damage. So if, uh, if God reveals to, some, uh, to you someone's physical affliction, don't automatically assume it's his will to heal them then and there. Um, if, if there is this prayer of faith, this gift of faith that the Lord gives you, and I know this happened for a few people here in this room, just that the gift of faith, that there can be a specific purposefulness and expectation that the Lord is going to heal. And so there is a prayer of faith that is developed in that a prayer of, as James 5 speaks of, a prayer of healing in that moment. But to declare that the Lord wants you healed, just take a step back and just pray that the Lord God would heal this person. With, with um, and I, one thing I love about Sam Storms as well is he says, like, you don't have to get all hot and bothered in your prayer. Um, don't forget all rising up and, you know, whatever. Like Jesus doesn't have to respond to that stuff, right? It's just like you just pray. Just depend on him. Avoid using prophecy to establish doctrine, practices, ethical principles that lack explicit biblical support. Um, 
and be cautious about excessive dependence on prophetic words for making routine daily decisions in life. There is common sense that the Spirit gives us. There is His Word. And so leaving it into like prophetic utterances or whatever, like I don't know what to do unless somebody said, well, look to God's Word, seek counsel, all those kind of things. So judging, weighing, assessing prophetic words. I'll give you some suggestions in here. But the reality is, is that we have to do that. We have to evaluate. We have to judge that which is spoken from but you know, we need to, everything, everything is spoken. This prophetic word, the, teach, the taught word on Sunday mornings, to be able to respond to it by way of considering. And I've had some, some of you come to me and say, well, what about this point? Like, that didn't make sense, or I don't know about that, or that kind of thing. But to, to consider, like, we need to be active listeners, active participants, not cynical, not skeptical, um, humble and receptive, and those who would also test that which is true, like the Bereans as far as studying and then also um, in the revelatory giftings. But again, the reality is like, like we really mean revelatory giftings. I just, because when someone comes and says that, it may or may not be a specific word from the Lord for a like some sort of major, thing. it might just be an encouragement for instance, might be might be kind of something from scripture, specifically scriptural. It's God's word. It's true. It's not, but that's not necessarily the gift of prophecy. It's a word of encouragement. But something where, like, somebody would say, "You've had those moments where you feel like somebody read your mail, but they didn't read your mail." That that's that's kind of the gift of prophecy, the gift of word of knowledge. Um, so. Conclusion, consider the sufficiency of Scripture, the call to earnestly desire for the gift of prophecy, and begin praying for it, and don't grow weary of asking. And as you prepare for the Sunday morning gathering, ask the Lord for a word that may be used to strengthen and build, console the church as we gather. And I say those words specifically because they're found in 1 Corinthians 14. This is what prophecy does. It builds up and encourages, it consoles, strengthens, it, 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 it uh, comforts the church. And it might be for the whole church, it might be for an individual might be for a family, it might be for whatever, but you see, like, if the Lord's speaking, um, it might, might be very much a word of God, and just, the word of God and just a word of encouragement, but it might also be a specific, like, you're just wondering, like, why is that coming into my head? Like, I, I don't want to say that. Well, you know, discern it, think, think about it, say, well, it's like, I, I don't know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to trust that the Lord is going to utilize this in some way. And so we come humbly to the person, we say, look, I, I, I'm going to say something that might just seem really out of left field. But, but I feel like I want to sh share it with you. So you share it. And it turns out, it turns out it's, it's like, it's, it's like you had no idea, but the Spirit did. And what they received from the Spirit, whether or not the words actually, like, just were amazing and, like, every, so informative, it is a word spoken timely in a moment where someone needs to know specifically that the Lord knows their situation. And he knows their situation in that moment. Our hope is that each of us will determine in our hearts neither to be skeptics who end up putting out the Spirit's fire, nor fools who gullibly believe everything we're told. So, uh, some questions for discussion. Um, uh, I have those there. And uh, feel free to you know, ask other questions, of course. But we want to break down into small groups for the last 15 minutes here and spend some time praying. But but answer, answer some of those questions um, and talk about that. And look, we're all, like, like I've said from the get-go, we're all on a continuum here. So um, if you've trusted in Jesus to forgive you of your sins, we're, we're, all, we're all in the same party. We're in the, and I mean, I don't mean like political party, I mean, I mean party. We're, we're like in, in, a, in, a, in a, waiting, like a waiting room for the big party to come kind of thing. So we're, we're all in this same boat together, and we get to be in this together. So we all have different kind of different areas where we're like, I don't know about that. Other people are like, oh, man, yeah. So it's like just <clears throat> you can be patient with each other and grow with each other and expect that God's going to speak because I believe that every single one of us in this room, whether we believe in specifically everything I spoke about tonight or not, every one of us believes that God does speak. That was our first sermon in the We Believe series, our speaking God. So, um, so that's, that's where it's at.
thanks for listening to that. Beth, thanks for being willing to kind of like kind of go up and go with expectation and, um, um, and uh, uh, look forward to hearing your testimony some other time. Thank you, Lord, for tonight. Thanks for these dear friends, brothers and sisters in Christ that we just get to live with together, spend time together. These, these, now when we get together Sundays and we would get together Wednesday nights and when we get together at other times, but specifically when we get together corporately, um, man, I just find it such a joy to be with, to be with your people. Thank you, Lord, for their patience. Thank you for the way that they receive the word. Thank you for the way that they respond to your word. Thank you for the way that they care for each other. Thank you for the parents who are looking after kids right now. Thank you for their diligence and caring for them and, and working through that. Thank you. Bless them, Lord. Strengthen them. For those here who tonight are hurting, Lord, in their inner being, would you comfort and strengthen and empower. For those of us who are facing difficult circumstances and different areas of life, would you give us wisdom, give us uh, um, ability to, to uh, close our eyes at nighttime and just like cast our cares on you, trust in you for tomorrow. So bless our time now and discussion in Jesus' name. Amen.